And if we have a crap day, we don't beat ourselves up over it. Uh, tomorrow is day one again. Giving up a bad habit makes me feel much stronger and much better about myself than starting something new. Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. So this week's episode of the Blueprint Podcast, we are chatting to Neil O'Brien. Uh, Neil is the owner of Time to Fly Limited, uh, a life and executive coach and author, and in my mind, one of the true mental fitness pioneers in Ireland. On his website, timetofly.ie, there's a title, Champion of Human Potential, which I think really encapsulates what Neil does. I first became aware of Neil and his work way back in 2007. My first job after college, I worked in recruitment. And one morning, I was brought to a breakfast meeting. And there was a talk from a life coach. And I was expecting this guy to come out and get us all jumping around the place and hugging each other. And Neil came out in the coolest, calmest demeanor, gave (laughs) a class talk for half an hour. And that's when my interest in Neil O'Brien started. In the last couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to meet him in a business and a personal setting. And I would uh, like to classify him as a friend and uh, just a really, really sound guy. So with that being said, Neil O'Brien, welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Wow. Gosh, John, what, what an intro. Thank you. What, what, are you doing? what are you doing next week? I have two events on next week. That would work really well. The friend thing, I'm not so sure. We'll see how the next half an hour goes. Um, but thanks. So, yeah. Neil, I would say to you, and you can disagree with me, obviously, that one of the blueprints for your success in your career is basically how you deliver your message and how you chat to people. I think sometimes people can be put off by, you know, the term motivational speaker or life Mm. coach because everyone's expecting you all to be having to sit next to a complete stranger and start hugging them after five minutes. Whereas I feel that you are just almost the antithesis of that, but deliver the message in such a clear and concise way. Would that be a fair assumption or yeah. inaccurate? Yeah, thanks. Assumption? No, no, thanks. And I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed in a way that you would say that because I, I guess I kind of, well, I'm not trying to do any like technique or anything. It's, it's, just, it's just my kind of couple of core things would be like if I'm enjoying myself, you know, hopefully whoever I'm working with or the audience will enjoy it. Uh, I also think, if we're all a bit more relaxed and having a bit of fun, I think that then we might be open to a new suggestion or a new idea more so than somebody jumping around the stage, banging the table and trying to trying to convince us to do something and tell us you need to do that, you know. So so 
I, I'm just, I, I, I'd like to think I'm, I'm the same person, you know, when I'm working as if you and I were having a pint, you know, it's, it's more or less the same person. But I, was, I would say, though, as well, that I think the financial recession, let's talk about that bit first. I think that kills the motivational speaker. I, I think before that happened and everything was great. Yeah, we love listening to somebody who, you know, walks the North Pole backwards on one leg and all oh, that was a great story. That's fantastic. But, but like, I'd, I'd find it hard to identify with that. But I, I listen to the guy and, that's, you know, and, and people jumping around and winding us all up. I think, I think that, had, that had its time. But then when we all got hit with the, with the economic recession, I, I quickly learned that, that audiences or groups or individuals afterwards just wanted something a bit more practical. You know, mm. just you know, bloody hell, how do I get through tomorrow? You know, mm. so just give me two things, you know. So, so that, that's always my kind of formula as such. And then I just figure people are having a bit of fun, a bit more relaxed. They just might be open to a new idea or a new possibility, maybe. You've obviously worked with corporates. You've worked with business people, um, entrepreneurs, sports people. Like, would you say that there's any kind of common theme or common traits that people have in order to achieve success in their given field? So when I set up in business first over 20 years ago, I set up as a performance guy. And because I was a, I was a training manager in a bank before I, I left that. Uh, I was working with sports people at nighttime while I was in the bank. Uh, so I, I would have already had a kind of growing reputation as being a performance person, uh, how mm -hmm. to help people perform better. In recent years, I've kind of changed my approach more towards human potential. Uh, well, the one massive common thing that they all share, and it took me a little while to learn this, well, if I'm sitting with the chief executive of a global business or an inter-county footballer or camogie player, I I'm dealing with the person first. You know, I, I tend to ignore <laughs> what, what they spend their time on to a large extent. Uh, so it's always back to the core person. I, I think I think if the chief executive values themselves a bit more and a bit more confident at weekends, he or she will be a bit more confident during the week at work. And I think the same applies to sports people too. So, so that's the first thing is it's in some ways we're all the same. We, we all, you know, uh, there's no such thing as a motivated person. There's no such thing as a confident person. Motivation and confidence are moods that come and go. So... So we all struggle with confidence. We all struggle with believing in ourselves. I mean, I've met people whose who's reputation and what they've achieved, think, oh, wow, now I can't wait to meet this person, obviously has it all cracked. And of course they don't. You know, they still lie awake at night thinking they're not good enough and worrying about something they said to somebody the day before yesterday. So, so the first starting point really, I guess, is we're all the same in a way. So we can connect on that. We all worry about stuff. We all have a crisis from time to time. So that's the first point. And then the second point then, as you mentioned it in, in your lovely introduction, which is my starting point for anything is human potential. You can arrive at success taking different routes. My route to it, though, is always to let's start with the person's potential first. And let's see where that leads us then. Where, where, where does that point us? And, and when, I talk, when I say human potential, I really mean a load of stuff that's natural, like a natural talent. Um, let, let's, let's get really clear on what this person might already be amazing at. 
and then decide right now, now that we have now that we know that wow and, and if you could get really well paid for that you know wouldn't that be fantastic so so that's our starting point now now wh- where where would you like us to go with this you know be as ambitious as you like i think everybody should have a mad idea by the way i think everybody should but the mad idea should be grounded in the reality of something otherwise it might just be an ego trip so if we ground it in the reality of proven natural talent well then all of a sudden the mad ideas and maybe so mad after all, you know. Mm. So that's the starting point for me with any client, any age group, any whatever, whatever they do in nine to five with themselves. It's this is a human being first, uh, and secondly, uh, what what are they? What comes to them naturally? I think that sometimes people believe that there's this kind of like you know magic pill that you can swallow and like overnight you become confident mm. and you no longer overanalyze things or you no longer ruminate on things. And all of a sudden, anything that you put your mind to is ultimately going to be successful. So yeah. people who have potential, how do you get them to reach that potential? Because mm. obviously I presume if confidence is a mood, then motivation and discipline are also moods. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, so I like what you said there about, about you know, so, somebody's looking for this magic pill and that will release them from having to overanalyze everything and overthink. You've just reminded me, I would say, and now I would normally quote this in relation to sports people, but perhaps it applies to all of us. Usually when a person or a team are underperforming, it's because they're thinking too much. You know, they're, they're mm. not trusting something they've been able to do since they were four years of age. They're thinking too much. Now, maybe we could apply that to work and life as well, is, is kind of overthinking, overanalyzing, overconcerned about what people think, what if I get it wrong and all that sort of thing. So so that's so it's interesting that you would use that phrase because that, that sums up a, the irony of a psychologist and sports psychologist is to get people to think less. You know, rather rather than think too much. So that that's mm. kind of isn't that kind of the irony of the whole industry. But um, then about people's potential then is around natural talent and where do they go? Yes. So 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 let's say well let's say we did have a magic pill and you take it, and the moment that pill hits your system, you're given the answer to what your amazing talent is. Uh, that's still just information though (laughs) so now you do have to move forward so you are going to need to be motivated from time to time you're going to need to be disciplined about stuff we're going to need to have some goals we're going to need to execute so so the i guess the pieces the, the two bits of the jigsaw are the starting point around natural talent and ability and the end point like where 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 give me something we can aim for here like what what is the mad idea but then the real work starts then about, so come on, what, what, what are we going to do tomorrow? Back to what we said a little while ago, what are the two things you're going to do tomorrow? You know, So in recent times, what's become a huge part of my work, which I've been, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming and I've been a bit surprised by it, but it's the whole, it's the whole area of habits, you know, habits mm-hmm. and discipline. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the bookshelves are covered in books now on science of habits, the, you know, the habits of habits. So, so I, I have realized that, that habits and discipline um, 
are the, are the fuel, aren't they? They're, they're the bit. Now, some days, of course, we lose it because discipline, as you said, is only a mood too. So some days I feel like I'm not disciplined at all. I guess on those days, it's not to beat ourselves up. You know, it's mm-hmm. to say, right, okay, tomorrow, right, today's been, tomorrow's day one again. Off we go again tomorrow. What couple of things we're going to do? So there's no way around habits and discipline, unfortunately. That's really interesting to know because the, the next question I was going to actually ask you was, how important are habits i actually read only recently atomic habits james steer's book i have a big interest in personal development and you know over the years and i've like your book is fantastic and i think that there's an extra chapter after being added in from when i read it you know i've read tony robbins i've read some of jerry hosey's work um but i thought although it might be a bit different i thought that the atomic habits just the this you know, thing of habit stacking that like, you know, yes. even something like if you want to eat more fruit, then put a fruit bowl on the table in front of you in the morning, not yes. at the other end of the kitchen. And that like, you know, you can learn to, you know, start one habit leads to another good habit. So it's all about stacking habits on top of each other. So yeah. that's really interesting that uh, you actually mentioned habits as being probably one of the main ways of maybe unlocking our potential. So, yeah. for example, if I want to grow my business to X turnover, like yeah. there's a lot of things that have to happen for that to occur uh, with discipline to work. And I suppose forming better habits being two of the most important things. Yeah. And, and that's probably common among whether it's a sports person or whether it's a business person. We all, you know, have to get up in the morning and probably, you know, put the leg of the pants on one leg at a time and just say, right, what's what's important today to achieve in order to get to my end goal? And, and then here's the real test then. How good are your habits when you're not in the mood? You know, mm. so that, you know, it, we, I think we, we can't allow um, the changes in our moods to dictate our habits. You know, I think mm. the habits kind of still have to keep going. Now, of course, I don't, you know, we don't want people to be miserable either. And, and we're not talking about obsessive compulsive, but we can't yeah. either also be at the whim um, of our, our moods. Um, and I love the, yeah, the fruit bowl has to be on the desk. The bottle of water has to be on the desk. I go as far as to say the, the, the rowing machine has to be in the kitchen. You know, <laughs> if it's, if it's yes, up yes. in the in the third bedroom upstairs, yes. you know, you know when or or what you want to learn a language like the language CD or whatever the you know it all has to be beside us, you know, yeah. almost all the time. But here's something now, and this is this is straight hot off the presses for you, uh, and and the people who are going to join us on this. I've actually learned, and I don't think there's enough on this in Jane Clear's book. I've learned personally in the last six to nine months, I would say, that a lot of the discussion around habits is starting new habits and taking up new habits. What are you going to do differently? And how are you going to improve? And what are you going to change? And very little is said about stopping bad habits or mm. stopping doing stuff. And I've just learned personally in the last six or nine months that actually stopping doing something, giving up a bad habit or change, stopping a particular behavior makes me feel much stronger and much better about myself than starting something new. I think it's kind of a bit easy, you know, it's easier to start something new because we love novelty and we love a new thing and oh, there's a new thing now and we love all that. But stopping something that we've been doing for a long time or stopping something that, that we drive ourselves mad 
the payback in terms of self-worth and self-esteem is absolutely massive. It's probably the best way we can prove to ourselves we're a valuable person is by actually giving up something. I mean, talk to anybody. I, I never smoke. But talk to anybody who eventually managed to give up smoking or, or maybe people who had a bad relationship with alcohol and, and how has their life been since? You know, it's the best thing they've ever done. Mm. So, so I don't think enough is said about stopping the stupid stuff. Would that then be maybe because they stopped the stupid stuff that it's, it's a big kind of a tick in the discipline box so that it actually makes people feel better about themselves, that they actually can be disciplined enough to yes. stop the bad habits. Oh, yeah, because this, so, this is so hard. You know, it's mm. so hard to give up smoking. It's so hard to whatever that, that this, that, that's the payback. Is a, mm-hmm. Wow, it's like I'm really impressed with myself that I found a bit of toughness, that amount of mm. grit required. There's another brilliant book uh, called Grit. I can't remember her name. It's a, great, it's a great TED Talk as well on mental toughness. And um, so it's, it's, I think it's the best thing we can do for ourselves is to give up something first and then start replacing it with new stuff then. Interesting. Now you mentioned mental toughness. We met last year. We had a game of golf down in the O'Hedican sale. The sun was shining. It was very enjoyable. We sat down afterwards and we're having a, a sparkling water, not an alcoholic, a sparkling water overlooking the lighthouse. And yeah. I remember you telling me a story, not mentioning the golfer now, obviously, but you telling me a story about your services being, I suppose, identified by a fairly well-known high-profile golfer. And to the jigs and drills, you went, you met him, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And yes. I remember you saying to me that you left going, what have I done? What has just happened? Yeah. This is bad. This could have been a launch pad for my career going to the next level. How did you bounce back from what potentially was a big blow to mm-hmm. you as a business and maybe, and I could be wrong here, but maybe even from an ego perspective that, mm. you know, this guy is now not going to work with me. And maybe if he did work with me, we could have achieved X, Y, oh, yeah. and Z. If, if we had worked together and even if it had gone reasonably well, that, that would have put me within touching distance of things like the Ryder Cup team and all that, you know. So, and financially, it could have been unbelievably lucrative as well. So, so. There was a lot riding on it uh, in that sense. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I told you this, but that was on a Saturday in, in London. I, I flew home after the meeting. Then the next day on the Sunday, I decided my office was at the bottom of the garden. I would put in a path. I'd be meaning to put in this path down to this office for ages. While I was laying the slabs, and I spent like most of the Sunday doing it, I was still ruminating about how I'd got it wrong so badly the day before. And I was really, oh, God, what have I done? Exactly as you described a moment ago. For about the next 12 months, I couldn't walk on that path to mm. go to my office. Because the moment I stepped on those slabs, <laughs> it's bad, <laughs> isn't it? It brought me straight back to that, to yeah. the meeting from hell. It brought me straight back. So for a year, about a year, I walked down the grass, the wet grass, to get to my office <laughs> to avoid walk because that was the trigger and then habits is a lot about trigger that was a trigger to bring me back hmm. uh, so I beat myself up over it for for a couple of months I guess even from a business point of view I, I beat myself up um, 
And then I guess I kind of, I decided to just park it for the moment, really, compartmentalize perhaps, and, and just move on. I, I'd other, in the meantime, other stuff had come in and other projects had come in that were equally as exciting and all of that. Um, so I guess I got nicely distracted uh, a few of my mates rallied around me, and maybe that's important too, with who we surround ourselves with. And I guess, I guess, actually, I guess I probably grieved about it for for a period of time, and and then I just kind of just kind of got on with stuff. Then mm. you know, and so so if I got the phone call today, if I was on a, if I was on a flight to Heathrow now to to have a like take two, we give you another go at it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd, I would do things differently. Of course, I would. I would um, approach it differently. So I have learned from it, and maybe that's the big point in all of this. Is one thing I realize is that learning never feels like learning at the time. It, it all, it's always much harder, isn't it? It's always much harder than learning. It's like it's like torture in a way. So, um, so I'd, I would approach it totally differently. Just go back to habit for one second. Any particular habit that you said after that that got you over was just was it literally just saying right it wasn't meant to be so I'll focus on what I have or was it just a case of look this is going to sting for a while yeah. it's natural I just have to let it sting for a while and then ultimately I get over it yeah both of that but there is a little nugget so it is going to sting and so be it um the the, the other part though was about I met him through an intermediary and that's the big lesson. I, and that's the new habit for me is, 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 is not to be totally dependent on, on how they would have described you to somebody else. You know, it's like using an agent for something. Mm-hmm. It's I'm much tougher now in a way, I'm much fussier as to how people might portray me to somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that was, that was really the weakness in, in the, in the whole transaction. Um, was was that kind of uh, so we all know about networking and how important networking is but but sometimes I think it's useful if you can manage a little bit around how people describe us and how people kind of brand us to somebody else you know yeah absolutely and like I suppose like name of this podcast like you you need a you need a blueprint for yourself as to how you're going to probably handle yourself and they yes. need a blueprint from you of how you're going to help them achieve it. Exactly. So um, that's that's really interesting. Um, I'm a financial advisor by trade, and it would be remiss of me to not ask you a financial question okay. or two. Okay. So uh, best and worst financial decisions okay. that you've made. <laughs> Apart from... The scenario we've just well, had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, might, that might have been your worst, but we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. move on from there. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've other worst ones. That's okay. Um, <laughs> let me see. Um, well, we start with the worst one. Uh, so the worst one would have been back when we were all making some money, we were given some advice to invest uh, in, in, a, in a property thing abroad. I know part of your role with clients is to first establish their attitude towards risk, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Angela and I would have had and still have still quite very conservative when it comes to any sort of financial risk. So I guess despite our better judgment and despite our gut feeling and, and I got, you know, this happened to loads of people, of course, at the time, we got distracted by a shiny object and, uh, 
And we were, no, I won't say we were persuaded. We decided, we decided to invest in this thing. It was a broad government backed. Here we go. Are you ready? Like this can't fail. You know, all these mm. phrases, cast iron guarantee, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. And then when everything hit the fan, then um, it turned out that it wasn't as cast iron as we were led to believe. And it wasn't as government backed, all that sort of thing. We lost some money on it. It wasn't wasn't um, massive amount of money, so that's okay. But yeah, I, I would have had nights where I would have been lying awake at night worrying about is somebody going to call to our door one of these days? Mm. Everything else we've built up, have we? Is it all going to go? So mm. I would say we lost some money, but that wasn't the real hurt. The hurt. I probably worried on and off for at least a year mm. about it. And and that that was that was horrible. That was that that's was not a nice situation to be in. Though. No, the worry is the worry is almost worse than money, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So so that was the worst one, and the best one happened earlier. So let's go a couple of years previous to that. In a sense, um, I was doing really well business wise. We came into a small inheritance, uh, so we decided to become debt free. We decided to pay off our mortgage and pay off a car loan and get rid of the credit card. Now, all of our peer group, people whose opinion I would respect, all said we were mad. Mm. Oh, come on, you know, that's the mortgage, cheapest money you're going to get. What are you doing? No, don't use it for something else. And we said, no, this is, this is what we're doing. So against all the, well, a lot of the conventional wisdom we did it, by God, that turned out to be genius then when the economic mm. recession hit. Because mm. I'm a freelancer, so I, I, had, I have no income. I've had, I've had very little income during the pandemic. Um, but because we're debt-free, all we need are living expenses and just get through it, get to the mm-hmm. far side, and we're fine. Mm-hmm. So paying off the mortgage was easily the best thing we ever did, uh, and it turned out to be a genius move about five years later. There's a, an American author called Morgan Housel. He wrote a fantastic book called The Psychology of Money, but in it he states that he and his wife, that their best financial decision was paying off their mortgage. And he was derided like this guy works for, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's, a, he's a financial commentator, a financial author, expert, and he was derided for paying off his mortgage. But he said for him and his wife and his family, it was the best decision for them yeah. because it gave them peace of mind that they were debt free. And he understood yeah. that it mightn't have made sense in inverted commas um, financially, but for them, it was the best decision. Yeah. So that's actually, um, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I know you're extremely well-read. I remember you telling me something sometime before about the number of books that you've read <laughs> and had. And yeah. it, it, it was something mind-boggling. <laughs> um, without putting you on the spot, could you list off three of your favorites? Oh, wow. Um, the reason I devour books is because I started on this journey um, in 1990. That's how long I'm at this. So there was no YouTube. There was no TED Talks. There was, mm. there was no coaching. I mean, coaching happened in American sports in the 90s, but it never happened anywhere else. So I felt books were the only way I could educate myself. You couldn't do a course in anything. Um, so, so I, I just learned to be a really good reader and and devour books. Um, so that they they have always been my my go to to this day. I, I can't walk out of a bookshop without having bought something. Um, I will mention a book in a moment, or maybe a couple of podcasts. But um, yeah. 
but just to give you a sense then of where I am on my journey, so I, I'm, I, I attend conferences, I speak at events, that's, that's, that's the biggest part of what I do. Um, and I hear other people speaking and other people do a lot of, they quote everybody else. They mm-hmm. quote uh, Victor Frankl, they quote all these people that we've all heard for so long. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, but hold on a second, you're a conference speaker. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what do you think about the thing? So in recent years, I've, t- I've tapered off from reading. Uh, and what I've done is I'm just spending more time on my own with myself to see, well, what do I think about stuff? Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm going to talk about what I think about things. So while I still buy a books that catch my eye, um, I, I, I'm more interested now in connecting with me and what, what is it I think about things rather than, than what other people think. Um, my my go-to all-time number one favorite book of all time um, is *The War of Art* by Stephen mm. Pressfield. There is another management book called *The Art of War*, but this is *The War of Art*. Pressfield is a writer and a screenplay, written screenplay for loans of movies. So, on the face of it, it's a small little book about accessing your creativity. Okay. But the lessons he has in there, you can apply to anything. Okay. Uh, particularly when he talks about resistance and how we resist doing the very things we know we should be doing. So that's, that's my all-time favourite uh, book, is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I like podcasts. I like what you're doing. I like um, Diary of a CEO with Stephen oh, Bartlett. Oh, yeah, Stephen Bartlett, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I like Solo Collective with Rebecca Seal because that's for people who are self-employed. And uh, I like Work Life with Adam Grant. And I really like Happy Place with Fern Cotton. It's probably just her London accent, but I really just like the way <laughs> she kind of approaches things. You did a really good, uh, very funny anecdote on working with a GAA team, yes. having self-confessed no knowledge or particular interest in GAA, <laughs> yeah. and some of the players being somewhat sceptical of you. And just one thing that you said in it was that very often people get what they expect, not what they yes, want. Is it exactly? That's well done. Yeah. Could you could you just expand that just for, for yeah, a few real quick? Months? It was uh, it was when I met this team first. I, I thought I'd start with those two questions, like what do you want from the championship this year, lads? And they thought that was just what a stupid, you know, oh, for God's sake, you know. Well, we want to win, of course, and we want to be a success. And they all shouted out all the right answers you know what do you want this is what we want i mean for god's sake where have you been sort of thing oh that's fine i wrote them chart, and then i said now what do you expect is going to happen and then all oh, right so then they were talking about well a good run maybe or semi-final or you know and then the point i was making with them was that we tend not to get what we want in work or life or career or anything that's more or less ego based uh, we, we, we do get though what we expect to get you know it, that's that seems to be as far as we that's kind of the outer limit of our self-belief is we just go as far as we kind of expect to get um, and that was that was there's a massive difference between those two questions what do you want now what do you expect is going to happen the thing about massive expectation is you don't then have that every day because that would put pressure now we're back to things like tiny habits and little changes but we still should expect to be a massive success in the future and we should tell our children that we expect them one day to be an amazing success at something 
that's it. We're not, you know, that that's that's what they need to hear. Once a child hears that that we expect them to be an amazing success, what they hear that as they hear us saying that we believe in them. They're not sure what the word expectation means, but when they hear us saying it, what they really get from that few moments is that they know that mum or dad really believes in them. Uh, and that's what's happening behind expectation. So I would say to people, you know, um, in the, the, you're going to get the next 18 months that you expect to get in work and life and health and happiness. You won't get what you want, mm-hmm. but you will get what you expect. Mm-hmm. So, that, so I, I, I go into businesses and predict the next 12 months, you know, on that basis. You'll do exactly the amount of business in the next 12 months that the person sitting beside you expects to do. You won't do the level of business that the chief executive wants to do. Final question. What is your blueprint for a successful life? Firstly, to go back to maybe the start of this, um, let's get clear on what your starting point is. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and for me, it all, that always has to be clarity around what have you got to offer? Mm-hmm. I'm not that interested in what you want. We get to that. But I'm more interested in what have people got to offer first? What have I got to offer? What will our children have to offer? So how clear are you and what it is you have to offer first? Secondly, come up with a mad idea based on your values. So if you ask me, John, what, what, what's, how do I define success for Nilo? What's Nilo's success going to be? My success uh, is going to be, because um, I've done a reboot now uh, as, as a result of the last couple of years, uh, we would spend three months of the summer, June, July, and August, um, in Boza in Sardinia. And when I'm there for those three months, I don't have to worry at all about money. Mm-hmm. That's how I measure success. So it's not earn such a matter, grow the business or have such a still car or whatever. It's, it's for me to be able to go to Boza in Sardinia for three months in the summer and, and, and love every moment of it and not be worried about the money before, during and after. So I, so I do have to earn a certain amount of money and have it in a pot to make that happen. But, but to me, it's that image of being in Boza for three months. So, so that's, the, that's the summer after next. So next summer, it's to be a month in Boza. Uh, and that's, that's how I... So, so that's what have I got to offer in the meantime? What does success look like for me? And then in, in between, just try and improve on my habits and give up stuff as we go. And, and if we have a crap day, we don't beat ourselves up over it. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow is day one again. Neil, thanks so much. Um, I really enjoyed the chat. I would urge everyone to check out timetofly.ie. I would urge everyone to buy Neil's book. Um, there's a bonus chapter, Neil, yeah. since um, so I have to uh, upgrade my own version. What's the bonus chapter covering? Is it? Yeah, it's on stress and stress management. And, okay, and we'll why, stop, why, yeah, and why stopping that. isn't recovering. Why, why just stopping work isn't enough to recover. So, and look, John, hey, you know, you're, you're kind of a friend of mine. So, you know, I, I, I'll send you an autographed <laughs> copy uh, oh, of man. my book. Neil, you're a gent. Uh, love chatting to you. And Pleasure. Keep we will well. talk to you soon. Thanks, John. Take care. Take care. Thank you all for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. For more information about me, John O'Driscoll, and my day job as a financial advisor, please visit blueprintfp.ie. For more information on the podcast, 
or to listen to other episodes, please visit the-blueprint.ie. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.